Hi, and welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be both encouraged and challenged to step into what God has in store for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. Yeah, I had the privilege to go to Endurance, uh, Central America, with Compassion Canada. Uh, Compassion Canada is a sponsorship program where you sponsor kids. It's been a great, it was a great time. Just to say that if you ever think about sponsoring a kid, Compassion Canada is a great organization to do that. And I saw a lot of needs. And uh, even yesterday when we had testimonies of what God has had done in our Love the Valley, there's so many needs around here too, right? And uh, I think our call is to place ourselves before God and say, God, Hey, we want to serve you. We, we want to live out the gospel. I believe the gospel is not uh, something that we do as, a ma- as an obligation, but it's a lifestyle. And we're called to live a lifestyle that honors God. And I think uh, uh, as we honor God, we want to honor him by loving each other and, and showing mercy and grace towards other people. Like Brenton was saying, it was a great day. And we want to be a church that reaches out and that loves on other people. Amen? Awesome. So before we go to the Word, I would ask you to stand, and we're just going to submit this time to the Lord. Father God, we thank you so much for the privilege we have to be here, and for those watching online, I pray that you would bless them too. And what we want to do is we want to hear your Word. Uh, We want to grow in your ways, and uh, we know that that can only happen through the work of your Holy Spirit, bringing your Word alive to our hearts And my prayer is that our hearts would be open to what you want to say and what you want to accomplish uh, this morning. I know that you have a word in season uh, for all of us because you're a God that speaks. You're a God that reveals himself to us personally. And I pray that this would happen this morning, that all of us corporately we would hear you, but also individually we uh, we would hear what you have to say and what you want to do in our hearts. So we open wide our hearts to receive your word. Uh, we, we open our minds to what you want to say uh, to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we've been on this journey of talking on victorious living. And uh, I think that's a huge topic. And the topic I'm going to touch today, I think it's, it's a huge topic. And sometimes it's not really understood. And, and sometimes it's not preached from the pulpit. But I really believe it's a, it's a big, it's a huge topic. The topic of standing in the authority in Christ, to stand in Christ's authority. I think it's a huge topic. Um, but if I lay the foundation for the message, um, I believe that God wants us to walk in victory. I believe that God wants us to move forward. I believe that God has a plan for us. If he, if he made, made us with purpose and significance, I believe that he wants us to uh, fulfill what we're called to fulfill, Right? I don't think God made us or um, um, placed a, a path before, before us for us not to fulfill that, right? God didn't, did, God didn't make us to fail, right? He made us to succeed, made us to fulfill our mandate. For sure, my race may be different than yours. It might look differently than yours, and that's the way it is. But what I'm called to do is I'm called to run 
my race, and I'm called to be fruitful in my journey, right? So, so the thing is, when it comes to this topic, that means that Christ wants us to be victorious, and God wants us to stand uh, in Him, and He wants us to be the head and not the tail. He wants us to be on top and not on the bottom. And when it comes to that, it's not just, it's not, the focus is not on, on riches, it's not focused on, on our own desires, but it's focused on seeing the progression of God's kingdom. So when it comes to victorious Christian living, we got to believe that God wants us to live victoriously. I think that's important. And sometimes we don't understand that. Sometimes we think we approach life like with a fatalist point of view, and we, we think whatever will be, will be. But I believe that God wants us to stand in what he has in store, and he wants us to be fruitful and to, and to be productive and, to, and for us to fulfill our calling on earth. And I've got this text I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, that gives us this snapshot or that base of how we're called to live our lives and why we're called to live victoriously. And it says, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, it says, And God placed all things under his feet, under the feet of Jesus, and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So what you see in this text is that the Father has given all authority to Jesus. When it says that it's all under his feet, it means that his name is above all other names. It means that he has control. He, he is reigning. Everything is under his feet. Is a symbol of authority, right? So it talks about Christ having authority. And we look in Colossians, it says that he stripped away uh, uh, the enemy's power by Calvary. And it says here that he is the head over everything for the church. So it doesn't say that he is the head in the church, even though he is the head of the church, in the church. But here it says for the church, meaning that who he is and what he has fulfilled, it goes to us. It, 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 it reproduces, uh, it, it, it reaches us so that we can do uh, what we're called to do so that we can fulfill our mandate when it comes to life. Meaning that Christ in us, as I shared a few weeks ago, we're fused with Christ, we're not alone. And here it proves that we can walk victoriously because that he is victorious. Amen? So I can stand in his victory and I can walk a life that is victorious because of him. And it says here, which is his body, the fullness of him, the fullness of who he is, who feels, who feels everything in every way, in every situation, whatever we face, it says here that Jesus is enough. So, so it invites us to walk in victory. It invites us to put one step before the other. It invites us to walk in, in, in all that God has in store and to be an overcomer. Can you tell your neighbor that you are an overcomer? Can you do that? We are, an, we are overcomers. We're called to grow we're called to move forward. And, and there's a sense of authority, right? There's a sense of authority. When it comes to walking in victory, I need to realize that God has delegated his authority to us. And Jesus wanted his disciples to know that very clear. That when the disciples were called to go and make disciples of every nation, when, he, when, when God or when Jesus called the disciples to go forward, he delegated his, his authority. He didn't say just go on your own by your own power. He says, I'm sending you with my authority. I'm sending you as ambassadors, and we'll touch that in a moment. 
If you look in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, there's a snapshot of this where Jesus is teaching his disciples that they have authority to do the work of the kingdom, that they have this delegated authority to do the ministry like Jesus did. Like he did. And it says, and, and Jesus is talking to Peter, and he says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The confession of Peter that Christ was, that Jesus was the Christ, that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. And it says, And the gates of Hades will not overcome it, or the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whether, whatever, whatever story you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What is this saying? It's saying here that Jesus is delegating authority to the church. He's saying that to Peter. He's saying that to all of us. And when you look at the word key, it talks about authority. When you look at the, at the word key, it talks about us being able to unlock. And it says also, whatever we bind on earth will be bond, bond in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Meaning that God is walking with us as we're under him, as we follow him. As he's our Lord and our leader, what we are called to do, we're called to shine for him and we're called to do what he did. So the thing is, when it comes to victorious Christian living, I need to realize that the only way, listen to this, the only way that I can walk victoriously is to know and to understand and to assimilate or to believe that I have authority. That I can stand in the name of the Lord. That I can be what he's calling me to be in the way that I can respond to his calling. It says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are ambassadors. So let's say we have an embassy in, in Winkler. And the embassy is the Lord's kingdom. It's, it's, it's God. And we are ambassadors in Winkler, Morden, Altona, Southern Manitoba. And God wants to fulfill his mandate through us. And we go in his name, and we represent him. And we want to represent him well, right? An embassy or an amb ambassador is not called to represent himself. He represents something bigger than him. He represents his country. But I need to realize, and I need to know, that when I go in this world and I do life, that I am an ambassador. I'm representing God's kingdom. And as I'm representing God's kingdom, I also have the authority that is invested in me because of the kingdom that sends me and that I represent, right? The Bible says that I'm the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And when you think about salt, it leaves a trail. Right? It has an impact. I remember a few years ago, I did pancakes, and instead of putting sugar in my mix, I put salt. It didn't take very long for people to notice that the pancakes were not the greatest to eat. My dog loved them, but my kids didn't, right? Because it's impossible to have salt and not taste it, right? You go to a restaurant and you, and you, you know when it's not salty or it's too salty, right? Or let's say you're having a meal and you are taking your salt shaker and by accident or maybe someone... Um, made you a prank and removes the cap. It probably happens to you when you were a teenager, right? You remove the cap. I remember doing that in high school. You go out on all the tables of the cafeteria and you have a chance to remove all the, put all the caps loose. And when people are putting salt and there's a mountain of salt. If you have a mountain of salt in your plate, you can't just say, oh, let's eat like, you, like there, there wouldn't be a mountain of salt, right? It, you would taste it. It would be horrible to, horrible to eat it. So what you do, you move the salt aside and you try to eat it. And most of the time you don't finish your plate, right? So the thought is that salt has an impact. You cannot deny that salt has an impact. 
It's the same thing when it says that you're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. There's an impact. You cannot deny, you cannot um, pretend there's not a light when there's a light in the darkness, right? For example, if you come in the sanctuary here when it's totally dark, pitch dark, you'll see the little lights there. There's, you see two boxes, two boxes right there, and, and you come in and you see that. You can't deny that this is plugged in and it's, uh, you, you have to acknowledge that it's showing light. It's the same thing with you. You got to realize that you are an ambassador in Christ. And if I want to make a difference, if I want to have an impact and walk victoriously, I need to know that I have God's authority, that I'm called by God to shine, that wherever room you go, when you go in your class, when you go to work, when you stand in a, in a new community or when you walk in your neighborhood, you're the light of the world. And the thing is, when it comes to life, it's way more than just natural. As much as we are very visual and very materialistic, where we look at what we see and we can feel and touch, there's also a spiritual world. As much as there's a physical world, there's a spiritual world. So when you go in the name of Jesus, and you shine and you love and you go to work, you get up in the morning after your coffee, you're going to work, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. And I believe that the spiritual world sees you. Maybe we don't see ourselves. Sometimes we don't realize that we have that authority. But when you go in darkness, you're like the light. It's like that light that you, that you see shine in the darkness. You're the salt of the earth. You can't eat a meal without tasting salt. You'll taste it if, it's too, if there's enough or not enough or too much. It's the same thing with you. And that's what I want to share to you this morning. That God has called you for victorious living. But you also have to see yourself as being an ambassador in him and that you have authority, that you can stand in his name, that you can do his work, that you can respond to uh, what he wants to do and what he can do, that you are a, a small Christ, that, that Christ is living in you and you can have an impact. Can, can you tell your, your neighbor that he's gifted? You're gifted. You're gifted. You have potential in you. You've got potential. You've got God's given potential in you. And sometimes we don't play that. We don't think that we are the light of the world. We have a problem that we're the salt of the earth. We have a problem that Christ reigns in us, and he reigns in the church, and he's real, he's radiant, and, and he wants to shine through my life. I'm called to be a beacon. I'm a lighthouse. You know, I have abilities, giftings that God has placed in me so that he may fulfill his plan, that is to see the progression of God's kingdom. I like the image of, that we find in, in, in society of a, of a police officer, right? You can have a police officer that is big as a, a toothpick, right? A little young guy that just graduated from uh, the police academy, and, and he's there, and he's in a big city, and the traffic lights are not working, and he gets the worst job, right? He goes, and he stands in the heat, and he directs traffic, well, the thing is, you can have this awesome Lamborghini driving on on this road, and you have this tiny little police officer that raises his hand and says to this Lamborghini, stop, you know what's going to happen? There's a good chance the Lamborghini is going to stop. And it should, right? Because he might have a ticket or he might be arrested. But it's amazing that you can have this young man stopping this awesome car, right? It's amazing that someone that has no huge muscle 
can stop a flow of traffic or has no guns and no sense of, a, of power that can stop the, the strife and give direction with a whistle to, to cars. It's amazing. It's not, we know it's not because of what he has or because of him, but because of what he stands for. Right? He stands in the name of the law. And you know that if you disobey him, you have to deal with the whole law. So then before you do something stupid, before you say, you know, I'm not going to obey him, I'm just going to go and just do my way or make my way, that there's going to be consequences to it. It's the same thing when it comes to you. God has placed a badge on you. Wow. A badge of authority. And as you go, I believe that we're called to, to channel his will. I believe that we have the authority to channel what God wants to do. I believe that can happen in prayer. I believe that can happen in obedience. That happens when you show love. I believe that when you meet someone, let's say at the work, workplace, or even what happened yesterday when people brought a place of cookies and they said, can we pray for you? And if the person said yes, they prayed. I believe that people were touched. We talked about people were touched and people were weeping and, and were ministered to. And that's phenomenal. And that's what you want to do. But I believe there's something even bigger than that is that there's a, a breakthrough or there's a, there's a, in the spiritual realm, something happens. I believe that when we obey and we walk in God's will, I believe that, yes, people are touched, but I believe also in the supernatural something happens because we don't live only in a physical world. We also live in a spiritual world. And when you do the work of the kingdom and when you shine for Jesus and you go as an ambassador and you do what you're called to do, it's unreal how far it can go. It's unreal how, how far God can use that for his glory. So the thing is, when it comes to being a believer, when it comes to be, being a, a Christian, I need to realize that I am an ambassador that stands for him. And I need to believe that God wants to work through me. I'm not called to represent myself. I'm called to represent Christ, right? As a police officer, I've got this badge and what I want to do according to what was given to me. I want to have the flow of traffic. I want to see everything go well. So in Christ, I have that authority. And Jesus showed this authority to his disciples. If you look in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, and he was preparing his disciples for his going and he wanted, wanted them he wanted them to see that they had authority, that they were called to represent him when he was gone. And this is the church. We represent Christ. When the people are looking for Jesus, they're going to see the church. When people are looking to see Jesus, where will they find Jesus? They'll see Jesus in the church. They should see Jesus in the church. We are his rep. We are his representation. At the same time, we also carry his authority. It says, look. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. He's talking to the 72 that he sent. He says, I look, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. What he's talking here, he's talking not really about scorpions and, and, and snakes, but about demonic power or the spiritual world, okay? He says, no, nothing will harm you or it will injure, injure you, it says in verse 20, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. In other words, the focus is about people coming to Jesus. That's the focus. It's to see people come to the knowledge of Christ. But at the same time, he says, I'm delegating my authority to you. Go and do ministry. 
Go and respond to my call. Go and be ambassadors in my name. So it's important for us that, that the call of the, of the disciples or the call of the church, it's to walk in Jesus and to make a way for the will of God. It's like I believe the church is the John the Baptist, prepare the way of the Lord. We're preparing the way of the Lord. One day Jesus will come on a white horse. We don't know what that, when, how, when that's going to happen. But I believe that we have the spirit of John the Baptist. We're preparing the way of the Lord. And we have that authority to prepare the way of the Lord. We have, the, we, we have this authority to facilitate or to prepare what God wants to do and what he wants to fulfill uh, in this world. And I think he wants to do it through the church. I like what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. A verse easy to remember. 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. And he's talking about Antichrist, the spirits that are against Jesus. For he who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. Pretty cool, right? The one that is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. Meaning that you have God's authority and whatever you face, you can conquer. Whatever you face, you can move forward. When I say conquer, I'm not saying that everything will go according to your, to, to, to your liking. And when I'm talking about victorious Christian living, I'm not saying that life will be just a straight road. It's not a straight war, road, right? We know there's a lot of curves. But as we go forward, we discover his will. And we don't always know his will until it's revealed it to us. And sometimes we only see his will through hindsight as we look back and we say, Oh God, this is what you want to do, what, what you wanted to do. So we're called to learn and trust in the, in the sovereignty of God, but we're also called to stand in his, in, his authority, in his authority. And sometimes we can think there's a contradiction between standing in his, in, in his authority and, and, and also believing or trusting in the sovereignty of God. I think it goes has, hands in, hand in hand. I think that I can fulfill his plan when I stand in the name of Jesus, and I, and I do what I'm called to do. So here, you can see that the church or the disciples were, were called to go forward. And in First John, it says, greater is he that is in you than the one that is in the world. So the thing is, when it comes to life, is, is we all have a sphere of influence. And, and in the Greek, you have this word called metron. Can you tell your neighbor? Can you say metron to your neighbor? Metron. This is where we have the word meter. We all have a sphere of influence. Um, you have a sphere of influence. When we leave this place, you're going to go home or you'll have a f maybe going for lunch with someone. But you're gonna, you'll, you'll be going to work this week uh, to a different place than some of, of, of other people that are sitting around you. You might be a, a stay-at-home mom. You, you, we, we get, we're going to go everywhere, right? And wherever we are sent, we have a sphere of influence, meaning that we have a meter, uh, our metron. And in that metron, God wants me to shine and God wants me to have an impact. I'd like to unpack that for a moment. I think, I think for me, when I came to know that, it really, it really helped me to stand or to do what I was called to do. If you have your Bible, take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, Paul is saying this, but we will not boast beyond or measure, uh, but within the measure of the sphere which God a portion to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. What he's saying here, when you see the sphere and you see measure, it's the word in, in the Greek, metron. And, and the word metron means sphere of influence. For example, my neighbor in, in Winkler is Pastor Terry Duick. He pastors the MB Church. And uh, imagine if I would have came to see him this morning before the service and say, Hey, Terry, um, I'm, I'm preaching today in your church. There's a good chance he would say, he would have said, 
What? What, what are you saying? I, 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 like, Carrie, you know, um, you know I, I, I'm going to preach in your church this morning. There's a good chance that even though he knows me, even though I'm his neighbor, there's a good chance he'll say no, right? And, and he has a right to say no because it's his metron. It's not my metron. It's not my sphere of influence. But let's say he calls me and says, hey, can you come and speak to our church on such, such date? Then I, if I say yes, then I'm able to go in his sphere of influence, in his metron. You see? The thing is, it's like, for example, I can't just say to you today, like, I'm going to have lunch at your house. I can't do that. You know, if I do that, I, you, <laughs> you might say no. You, you might feel obligated to have me, right? And then later on when I'm, <laughs> I leave your house, you what kind of stupid pastor is that, right? <laughs> The thing is, if I'm invited in your metron, then I'm going to go, but I can't force myself in your metron. It's like, for example, if you, another example, let's say you have marital problems. I can't jump in your marriage and fix them if you don't invite me because it's not my metron. It's not my sphere of influence. It's your sphere of influence. So the thing is, you invite me, and then I can do ministry, and I can help you out under your authority, under your metron. Does that make sense? Otherwise, we would jump fence and we would take control. We would be sometimes good intention dragons, right? We, had good, we would have good intention, but really it's not our sphere of influence. So get this, 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 this thought that we all have a sphere of influence. But let's say the enemy wants to come in my metron. That would be against my marriage or against my kids or against my calling or against my church. He's coming on my turf, God gave me that metron. It's my sphere of influence. So I have all authority to say to the enemy, back off. Leave my kids alone. Let go. You're not going to control my marriage. You're not going to sink my marriage. For sure, I've got to look at my own life because I can't say the devil made me do it. I got to realize that sin opens the door to the enemy. But when I come before God and I want to do his will and I'm true before him, I'm sincere and I, I want to experience repentance and I want to, to walk in his will, have, I have all the authority in the world to say no to the enemy and to tell him to back off. It's huge. Because sometimes we forget that the enemy comes at our marriage. And, and, and he wants to come in, he wants to create division, or he wants to bring yourself under bondage. And, and the thing is, we don't realize that we have this authority, that we're able to say to the enemy, no way, no more. And it's amazing how it works well when you do it in the authority of Christ, when you know that you have this authority. And the thing, I think we got to go back to the thought that sometimes we don't believe there's a spiritual world. Sometimes we don't believe that there is a spiritual dynamic, that it's more than just physical, that the spiritual influences the natural. Can I say that again? That the spiritual influences the natural. So what I want to do is I want to stand with my badge because God placed me there in my house. And when the enemy wants to come against my house, I say, you know what? No. Because this is my house. Or this is my business. And you go and you think about your business, how it came to be, how God led you and God opened the door. And you know God led you this way. And what's going to happen is at some point, sometime, the enemy will come. If you're doing good and you're making an impact in, in God's kingdom, the enemy will come against you. And you need to know that. You need to know that. 
And he might come against your marriage. He might come against your kids. He might come against your health, whatever it might be. And you got to discern that. And you got to be aware that you have the authority to say no to whatever the enemy brings at you. I think about the story of Shammah in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23. What happened is the Philistines, what they wanted to do was to destroy, destroy the Israelites. And one of the ways that they wanted to destroy the Israelites is, that, is by burning all their fields to, to, to cut the, the food, right? And then they would go hungry, and then they would take more room and more room and conquer the Israelites. So the Philistines were there burning the fields, and at one point they came before a, a field of lentils, and the, the, the soldiers ran away, and Shammah stood on his turf. He says, this belongs to Israel. No place for the Philistine to come and burn this. And the story is, is that he was able to resist the Philistine. I like that image. I remember reading this, and I said, God... Stir my heart up for my church. Stir my heart up for my community. Stir my heart up for my marriage, for my, for my kids, to stand in the gap and to say, God, you've called me for victorious living and you gave me an authority to stand and to resist the devil, to say no to his lies and to say yes to what God has in store and to follow, funnel in or to facilitate the work of God. Still with me? I think it's an amazing topic, and it's sometimes not really understood, but there is a battle going on. And there's a battle going on over your head right now. There's a war going on. You know, the, the, the enemy is there to kill, steal, and destroy. It's not that we want to focus on the enemy, but at the same time, we've got to be aware that there's a battle going on. And there's a battle over your marriage. There's a battle over your wellness, physical, spiritual, emotional. There's a, there's a battle over your relationships, there's a battle over your, over your calling, and you've got to be aware of it. So you want to discern the schemes of the enemy. And I think it's, it's huge when we take a hold of this truth. Not that we walk in fear, but we're conscious that it's more than physical, that there's a spiritual dimension. So what I'd like to talk about this morning, to some degree, and I won't go very long, but, but uh, what do I do when the enemy comes my way? What do I do? When the enemy comes my way, the first thing I got, I got to do is I got to go to God's word. What is God saying? Because one of the main plan of the enemy is to sow a lie in your heart, an ungodly belief. That's what he wants to do. What the enemy wants to do is the same thing he did with Adam and Eve. Did God really say? He wants you to believe a lie of concerning God, concerning yourself, and concerning others. That's what he's going to do. And you know what he wants to do? He wants you to be offended. That's what the enemy wants. If you look at all the misery that we face in life and all the challenges we face is we take offense. We take offense regarding God. How come, God, you did not do this? We take offense regarding our brother based on what he did to us. We take offense regarding our boss. We take offense regarding this world, the government. We take offense. And when we take offense... It influences the way I do life. When I absorb, listen to this, this is so huge. When I absorb an offense, it takes root in my heart. And that at one point will produce a fruit. So I've got to make sure I don't let offenses come in. There's a spiritual battle. Every day, or maybe every day, but many times we're bombarded by offense. I look at my marriage when I started as a, as a young guy, 21. I was still green behind the ears, eh? When I got married. And, and this is one of the things I took. I was easily offended. 
You know, even through my journey, if I become vulnerable to you, I've always been sensitive. I've always been easy to take offense. And when I let an offense come in in my marriage, in my relationship, in church, leadership, and so on, it affects me. It prevents me to go and do what I'm called to do. It, it, it paralyzes me. It, it just saps away God's calling, God's energy, and what God has in store for me. And the thing is, I need to come aware of that and say, whoa, this is the enemy's way to saddle me down. This is the way of the enemy to sap the will of God in my life. So I've got to address it. I've got to be aware of it. I've got to say no to the enemy. The enemy comes and he wants to, for me to be offended. I say, no, I'm not going to take this offense. I'm not going let, to let it sink in my heart. I'm not going to let it take root in my heart. And I believe Pastor Corey talked about that last, last week when it comes to the mind. But I think it's a huge thing. It's a huge because my belief will shape my destiny. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. So that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. And really the topic here, well, the topic here is about forgiveness. About forgiveness, that we are called to forgive. You know, this is the thing. If I walk in unforgiveness, you know, I'll be, I'll be locked down. I'll be chained down. And the enemy will come with guilt and condemnation. And the thing is, when you live in sin... The enemy has a legal, listen to this, the enemy has a legal right to have his foot in the door. Because you're saying yes. The only authority that the enemy has in my metron is the authority I give him. So when I walk in sin, when I, when I, when I embrace, uh, let's say, uh, when I embrace uh, ungodliness and so on, the enemy puts his foot in the door and he has access to my heart. So what needs, what needs to happen is I need to repent. I need to, I need to confess my sin. I need to become vulnerable and say, God, forgive me of my sin. I don't want this in my life. I don't want to be controlled by this. And when you repent and you acknowledge it and you ask Jesus to forgive you, the blood of Jesus washes you from all sin. It says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and they're washed away and forgotten. Right? So then, when the enemy wants to pursue his work of destruction in your life, you can say, no, you have no right. And you have fully authority because it's your turf and you're in Christ and you came clean because of confession. I think that's huge, right? So the enemy comes at you and you want to be aware of his schemes. And, 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 and it's a lot of hard topics, like when it comes to offenses, when it comes to forgiveness, a lot of things. What the enemy wants is to take a hold of your heart. This is why it says in Proverbs chapter 4, guard your heart, it's the wellspring of life. Can you tell your neighbor, guard your heart? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Realize it's a spiritual matter. It's not just an emotional banner. It's a spiritual matter. It's a spiritual matter. This is how the enemy wants to keep you in bondage. This is how the enemy wants to control you and prevent you of running your race. There's uh, the screw tapes letters of C.S. Lewis. It is a any any and it's I don't know if you have ever listened to that or uh, it talks about uh, how a, a senior devil instructs a, a junior devil in the art of temptation, and uh, he tells a, the 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 older devil the senior devil tells the senior senior devil to to do this or not to do this. But the main thought was, if we can make them believe that we don't exist, wow. 
We can, what, we can do whatever we want. And I, I think this is, this is the truth. When we don't believe that there's a spiritual battle, then we don't really realize that, that there's something happening. But right now there's a battle going over my life, and there's a battle going over your life. And you want to be able to see it and understand it and realize that if, the spiritual, if, if spiritually I don't handle that well, it's going to affect my physical. It will affect my relationship. So I've got to be aware that I'm in a spiritual battle. Secondly, it says I need to go to God. I need to go to God. I've I got to experience His presence. There's a story, and I won't be very long on this. I could, do, I could make sermon, a sermon just on this text here. But in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3, it talks about Jehoshaphat was terrified when he heard the news and begged the Lord for guidance because the enemies were coming against Israel. And he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. And look what it says in verse 21. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. Usually you don't, go to, you don't do war like this, right? Like I was saying in the first service, we had a lot of people from the worship team that was saying, we'll send you first. <laughs> it's, there's two things. You believe that God intervenes or you want them dead, so because they don't sing well, you want to have another crew, right? But it's not, it's not number two. It's because there's a calling, right? And it says, he is singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, and the Lord caused the enemies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. It created confusion in the enemy's camp when the Israelites praised the Lord and worshiped the Lord. i got to tell you this. When you embrace praise and worship as a lifestyle, when things get rough and instead of reacting in the flesh, you take a step aside. Whatever kind of music you listen when it comes to Christian music, it's not about the style. It's about worshiping God. When you start to worship God and you start to focus on Him and you focus on His splendor and you give thanks because of His faithfulness, faithful love and, and in His care and you focus on Him, one of the first things that's going to happen is going to bring soothing to your soul. <gasps> There's going to be peace inside. But secondly, God will fight for you. God will fight for you. How many of you want to see God fight for you? Like We want to see God fight for us. But what we're called to do is to turn to him. We're called to focus on him and be caught by him. Be caught by who he is, by his love. And, and, it's, and this is where God brought confusion in the enemy's camp. And I believe that when it comes to spiritual warfare, when it comes to living and standing in the authority that God has for us, we got to stay our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. we got to be a people that is not afraid to worship, not afraid to worship our way through and to say, God, I'm going to give you glory and honor. The flesh doesn't want to. The last thing you want to do when you go through a crisis is to praise and worship God. For me, I want to complain. That's what I want to do. I, I want to hear myself complain and complain. And no, then you, instead of doing that, you go before the Lord and you say, I'm going to worship God. And, and something happens in you and something happens over you. And this is what happened with Paul. The same thing happened with Paul and Silas when they were in prison, right? This is where they were set free. Thirdly, I need to stand in faith and surrender my life to, to God. I won't spend a lot of time on this. I, I did talk about that already. I need to stand in faith and surrender my life to God. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, regarding this, regarding the topic we're talking about today. It says, stand, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. 
He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So this is it. This is what it says. It says, stay alert. Be aware that there's a spiritual world. Be aware that the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Watch out. Watch out. Be conscious of it. In verse 9 it says, stand firm against him. Make a stand on your turf with your badge that you receive from the Lord and the authority that God has. No way. I'm not going to let that take me. I'm not going to let that sin take control. I'm going to say no. You know, you're watching TV and you're watching something you should not watch. Mm, in Jesus' name, no, I don't want to do this. You know, for sure you got to make a sign, you got to close the TV. But the thing is, you want to respond with authority to say, I can do this in God's grace, by God's power, God, by God's strength. I can say no to the enemy. It's a stand firm against him. And be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. Meaning that you're not alone. And that's what the enemy wants you to believe, that you're the only one going through this. You're not. And when we have the Conquer series, we, we've noticed that a lot, of, a lot of men struggle when it comes to purity. And, and, it's, uh, and, and to bring things open, it's, it was amazing because we're all in the same boat and we're called to walk together. And I think God intervenes and God works when we do this. But the, the enemy wants to isolate us and he doesn't want us to open up. Same thing with James chapter 4 verse 7. It says, so humble yourself before God. Resist the devil. Resist his lies. And he will flee from you. Come close to God, and, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. This is where I talked about confession, where you say, God, I believe in you. I trust in you. Wash me from my sins. And this is where I can resist the devil, and this is, why, this is how I can move forward. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. I'm almost done. I just, I just want to read this verse from the message version. I think that the message version makes justice to this text. I think it's, it's well written. It says, Whenever God, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray. The great amen. God's yes and our yes together. Gloriously evident. And in other versions, it says that in Christ is the yes and the amen. And some people, they look at that verse that says, then I can, I can claim any promises and say uh, every, pro every promise is yes and amen to me. The problem when we say this, we forget really in the original it talks about when, when you say God says yes to you, but you have to say yes to God. And so when, when God, God wants to bless you, God wants to uh, pour his promises over you, but at the same time, you got to say yes to him. you got to submit. you got to surrender. you got to come under his lordship. So the thing is, when it comes to living victoriously, I need to stand in faith, and I, I, and I need to surrender. And when I do that, I'll be able to stand against the, the enemy. Number four, I need to remember who I'm fighting. I need to remember who I'm fighting. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For, we, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And Paul talks here about taking the armor, putting on the armor. But what I like to focus on is that uh, the fight is not with people. Can you tell your neighbor one last time, the fight is not about people. It's not about people. Your enemy is not your wife. Your enemy is not your husband. Your enemy is not your boss. Your enemy is not your brother or your sister or your dad or your mom or your mother-in-law. 
<laughs> I have to throw that. I didn't know I love my mother-in-law. She's great. Because she might be listening, so i got to be careful. <laughs> you know, it's not people. It's not people. And, and we, we get caught, right? We look at the people in front of us. And we say, ah, it's not about people. The enemy wants us to look at the people. But it's more than that. It's, it's, it, what it says here, it's not me saying it. It's principalities. It's spiritual forces. That's what we fight against. So when you see someone that comes against you, or you see someone that hurts you, or see, see someone that you, uses a word or uses words that just, just oh, blows you away or in a negative way, realize it's beyond them. It's like when Jesus said to Satan, behind me, Satan. You know, it's, it's Peter spoke in the flesh in the ways of man. So it's, it's the same thing when it comes to do life. We have to realize when it comes to the spiritual battle that it, it's not... Um, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against principalities. We're fighting against works of the enemy. Number five, I need to choose to be godly and not return evil for evil. First Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insult when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. So you bless people. That's what... That's how you want to function when it comes to standing in authority. You want to bless. You don't want to retaliate like the enemy. You want to show love and you want to bless. And my last point to wrap it up, I need to be rooted in the church. I can't do it alone. I need you. We need each other. We can't resist against the enemy on our own. We need the body. We need the church. So I challenge you uh, this morning with this thought that God wants you to live victoriously and that you can because you have the authority. You have the badge of Christ. You can move forward because you have delegated authority and you're called to stand on your turf and to say, God, I pray what I want to see is your will be done. And when the enemy comes your way, you're able to say no to his plan, to his schemes that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Amen? I would ask you to stand. With all the eyes closed this morning, out of respect for your neighbor. You know, God is a God of love and a God of uh, um, respect in the way that he won't, uh, he won't enter your, met your metron without you opening up to him. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to the Lord. Or maybe you walked away from your faith. And, and God is waiting to come in your metron. But it's you that have to open the door. You have the authority to invite God into your life. God will not force himself on you. He respects our free will. He respects our metron. But this morning, you can open wide the door of your life and you can experience this awesome gift of the Father that is Jesus. Where Jesus came and lived and died so we could be reconciled with the Father. And so in a way that we can experience his love and his freedom and that we can have our name written in the book of life where our destiny is eternity with him. If that's you this morning, I don't want you to leave this place without responding to the invitation of inviting God in your metron, inviting God in your life. If that's you this morning, I invite you to raise up your hand. Someone here. 
Yes, thank you so much. Yes, yes, in the back, thank you so much. Someone else? I might miss your hand. It's, it's okay, God sees it. And I, I want you to pray this prayer. God, I give you my life. I invite you to come in my Metron. I don't want you to be out of my Metron. I want you to be in the center of my life. I, I choose you as my Lord. I choose you as my Savior. I say yes to you. You fill me of your Holy Spirit. May you, may you fill me of your Holy Spirit. I want to live for you. I want to live a life of purpose and significance for you. So here I am. I surrender. Here I am. I lay my, la- my life at your feet. Secondly, thank you for doing that. Blessings on you. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you, you know, you, you've lost authority on your, on your turf. Maybe you got things you got, you got to let go. There, you, you might be struggling with sin and you're not where you should be. Well, this morning you can experience a turnaround by just surrendering, by just repenting. And maybe this morning you, you're kind of discouraged when it comes to what is around you. And God wants you to raise up your chin. And to fight for your marriage, to fight for your children, to fight for what he has given you. And I just pray for that divine boldness and assurance to to, to rise up in your heart. To say, no more, this is done. I want to see God's will be done. I want to see God's work progress in, in in my metron, in my life, and through my life. And that's you. I just invite you to say, God, stir my heart up fan into flame. Give me a new passion, a new desire to stand for you. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the GMC podcast. For more info about what's going on this week, check out gmchurch.ca. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful week.